You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Um, Turn to Matthew chapter 11 tonight. Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to start uh, this evening. And a great promise here this evening, and um, we'll, we'll be looking at, at we'll come back to this. Um, I'm going to read it real quick, and then, and then, in no need to stand, we're going to be jumping around a couple different places tonight, but, so, but Matthew chapter 11, and you probably know these uh, verses, or, or you've heard these, I'm sure. Um, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And uh, what a, I mean, don't you think we live in a world that's full of labor and heavy laden? I mean, full of labor and heavy laden. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Doesn't a nap sound good? Naps always sound good. My kids make fun of me. Um, I fall asleep a lot quicker and more often than I used to. Um, but there's something about rest, real rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find, and here's the word again, rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And these, these verses really do capture the essence of a message that Jesus Christ preached while he was on earth and that is I can give you rest I can I can make you I can give you something that you can't find anywhere else I can give you peace Uh, for quite some time in my in my own walk with the Lord and and in in trying to figure out what the Lord would have me to 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 preach from time to time I I've wanted to spend some time preaching on this subject or the thoughts of, of anxiety and inner peace. The last almost two years have been a time of such unrest. I mean, so much anxiety, so much turmoil is, is present in people's lives. And, and it's not like the world was peaceful before COVID, but, but the pandemic has just heightened our sensitivity to the trouble surrounding us. And not just the trouble surrounding us, the trouble within us. It it has exposed just how stirred up we are. It brought it to the surface. And maybe you've heard of Jim Berg. Jim Berg is is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called Changed into His Image. And uh, which, by the way, in my estimation, is an essential book for every Christian that wants a deeper walk with the Lord. And one interesting fact about Jim Berg is, by the way, I was talking to Pastor Spencer about this a while back, is that he apparently came to Eastside as a boy. And uh, I didn't know if you knew that, but Pastor Spencer mentioned it to me, and, and I didn't get into it much, very, very much with him. But if you read his materials, he talks about growing up in South Dakota. So it's an interesting connection there. But Mr. Berg wrote a, a practical workbook about dealing with guilt and anxiety and anger and despair, and he called it taking time to quiet your soul. 
And that workbook uh, turned into an actual book called God is More Than Enough, which I also I re recommend as a helpful read. But in looking through that material, uh, just being transparent with you, and it's, it was looking through that material that caused me to, to think this is the direction I would like to go. It compelled me um, to start some kind of a series here on Wednesday nights um, following some of his thoughts. And, and so, just up front, I don't usually follow that preaching format. Um, but since I couldn't get away from it, here we are. And, uh, and so, just so you, you're not worried, well, you know, pastor's now preaching books and he's not preaching the Bible. Well, if you read Change into His Image, um, his thoughts come from the Bible. And so, it's not like he's making up these things and, and uh, they, it is a scriptural thought flow. And, and so, my intention is for a time on Wednesday nights to go through some very biblically based thoughts that deal with this, this subject of anxiety or inner peace that, that I have found that many of God's people need, by the way. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, David wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And when he wrote, Try me and know my thoughts, and, and you can look this up yourself as well, in the Hebrew, the word for thoughts actually means disquieting thoughts. It's not just, oh, these are the thoughts that I have. No, what David was saying is, search me, try me, and know my, know my disquieting thoughts. Know my anxiety, Lord. So even David had anxious thoughts. So David, in the form of a prayer, says, Lord, search out the anxiety that's in my thinking. And when he said, see if there be any wicked way in me, the phrase wicked way refers to things that bring pain. So David is asking the Lord to uproot the things in his heart that cause him pain and sorrow. And he closes with the verse that says, lead me in the way everlasting. And what he's saying is all the anxiety and all the pain that are caused when I do things my way, Lord, cut those out. It, it, because it prevents me from living for God. So, Lord, change my thinking. Change my thinking is what he's begging God to do. And see, when we're focused on the worry and the hurt and the sorrow, we're focused on the here and now. And our thoughts are misdirected. You see, we need to be focused on something higher. Lead me in the way everlasting something more permanent, something truer than our current emotions. Because if our thoughts are focused on what we're feeling right now, I don't know about you, but my emotions can do this. Up and down, up and down, fluctuating. I need something permanent to hold on to. I need something sure to hold on to. I, I need a rock that is higher than I am to grab onto. The problem is, if you look around, all you see are things that will cause anxious and troubling thoughts. See, like Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said in the, in the last days, perilous times are come, have, are, will come and these are the last days. It, Paul, perilous times have come and we don't know when the Lord will return. Um, I'm praying that it happens before that container gets shipped out, Brother Ruckman. 
you know, I, I don't know when he'll return, but we know that until he does, things don't look real great. These are our days of uncertainty, perilous times. You know, you think about culturally speaking, we've got a, I mean, a bad economy. As much as the media wants to convince us otherwise, I mean, inflation right now is through the roof. I mean, record levels and um, not just economically, you've got, um, you still have COVID-19 and there's going to be another variant next week and another one after that and, and more shutdowns. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. The government, uh, the regulations, the overreach, the, the mask debates, the vaccines, there's a spirit of disunity like we haven't seen in a long time. And there's social unrest and there's racial tension and, and morally speaking too. Uh, there's a disintegration of the biblical family unit. They're trying to take that away and redefine what that is. And I mean, pornography is destroying the souls of men and women, by the way. It's destroying teenagers. It's destroying lives and destroying marriages. And I mean, divorce is, is so common now that we hardly bat an eye about it. And there are extramarital affairs and Couples that live together and without ever seeking marriage. And um, the homosexual agenda is, is looming so large. And listen, uh, these are the Bible is clear about where it stands on these things. It, and, and I'm not saying that we have to stand up here and be hateful to the people that are living those lives. Because God is love, but, but we, we have to speak out against the lives that are being lived against Scripture. And, and so these things can't become the new normal. Uh, yes, they're the new normal out there, but they can't become the new normal in here. Um, these are perilous times. And I think about our safety. So you've got culturally and morally, and you've got our safety even just of the crime is on the increase. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't know if you heard about this, just on Monday morning here in Sioux Falls, there. There are two cars pulled up to the red light at the same time. I think 6.30 in the morning, Monday, something like that. And one guy in one car uh, rolls the window down and starts yelling at the guy in the next car. And I don't know if there was some kind of an incident or, or uh, some, some conflict on the road before this. But re the driver reaches across the passenger with a gun and, and shoots, the, shoots into the other guy's car or truck. And, and they say the only reason he survived is because... The bullet hit his cell phone. I mean, that happened in Sioux Falls. And, uh, I mean, that, that makes your iPhone worth a little bit more to you. I'm thankful that, that he was protected, but that's Sioux Falls. You know, violent crime is on the, the uptick everywhere. And, I mean, you hardly feel like you're safe anymore. I mean, you can't even go to a parade without some nut job driving their car down the street. I mean... The one in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, just it's heartbreaking. School shootings and open borders and, and bombs. And you say, Pastor, you are not helping my anxiety tonight. So I'm just trying to let, we all need to be aware of how bad it can be and how bad it is. We don't know where it's headed in the short term, but I have to say this. We do know the Lord and we know how it ends up in the end. And I'm thankful for the hope we have in Christ. But in the meantime, what does it look like in two years? I mean, what does it look like in five years? What does it look like in ten years? What does the future hold for my kids? You know, for, for Christianity? 
There's increasing violence and, and persecution for those that, that stand for Christ. We, and we shouldn't be afraid because God's not given us the spirit of fear. And, and, and if the Bible says, Paul told Timothy, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I mean, so if we don't suffer persecution on some level, what does that say about our godliness? I mean, if we're godly, we will suffer it. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it, but, but we know that God is in control. But you, but you also just have to evaluate what's happening. Uh, we, you know, we're getting good. Here's the issue. We're getting good at seeking faulty solutions. We're good at, at trying to come up with answers to problems that our answers can't fix. Uh, you think about all the ways that people are dealing with anxiety and their troubling thoughts. And I, I mean, I just think about, about suicide rates. And I mean, I'm not going to get into all these because I, I'm not an expert in these things, but it seems like that's going up. Alcohol, drugs, these are all things that people use to either mask or cover the troubling thoughts. I don't know about you, but man, I haven't seen... I mean, anger is such an issue in our culture. I mean, driving down the road, I mean, just what happened on Monday, but it seems like road rage. I mean, it's worse than it's ever been. People are just angry, mad at the world. Not only that, people are trying to cover their anxiety with, with distractions. You know, constantly entertaining themselves. You know, constant noise and constant music and constantly having something on and, and, and we're doling our senses, by the way. Parents, be careful not to dull the senses of our children by always having noise in the home. It's okay for some quietude and, and it's okay for them just to get a book, uh, by the way, and just open a book and read ink on a page, too. You know, culture is full of people, full of noisy souls, but from among the many noisy voices, there is a call from our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, he cuts through the noise, and he says, it doesn't have to be noisy in your soul. I can give you rest. See, but the first thing that we have to do is notice the noise in your soul. See, we think we're okay. We think we're doing fine. We think we're well-adjusted, but, but there's noise. I'll explain that in, in a minute. We need self-examination. See, noise is produced uh, by uh, creating a disturbance. You see, in the physical realm, if you know anything about sound, then you know that sound consists of waves. And, and, and so like throwing a rock into a pond, if you've, if you've ever thrown a rock out into the middle of a still pond, you watch the ripples come out from the middle, that disturbance creates ripples in a pond. And in the spiritual realm, noise in the soul consists of thoughts. See, I don't know if this, if you can do, if this happens to you, it happens to me. I can be rolling along. Everything's great. I mean, I'm having a good day. I'm not thinking about anything negative. And then suddenly what somebody said to me on Sunday comes back to my mind and suddenly I'm now, oh, the weight's on my chest again. I wish it wasn't that way. I, I wish I wasn't that sensitive, but I guess I just am. But I think that happens to everybody. Where, you know, you're rolling along, things are okay, and you're like, oh, that bill. 
It's coming. Or things are good and you're rolling along and you're like, oh, I, I can't believe I said that. And you're embarrassed again. You know, I, I, just these thoughts that come into our mind, it's like they create a, a disturbance in the peace, like a rock being thrown into the middle of a pond and suddenly there's waves across the soul. And, well, what does is, what is noise in the soul sound like? Well, you know, Jesus, what he was dealing with in Matthew 11 here is the, pro, he, this is kind of the prototype of peace. This is, this is, this is, he's saying basically, this is what it looks like to have peace and I can give this to you. Think about what the, the noise in his audience's soul would have been. This original audience that Christ was talking to uh, would have been, who do you think would have, would have been listening? Who do you think would have been? Who, what one group of people that would have been listening? Okay, the disciples. Who else? What about the religious leaders? What are they called? The Pharisees. They would have been there. So you've got the Pharisees on one hand, you've got the disciples on the other hand, and you've got this large group of, of Jews in the middle that maybe aren't there, maybe they're not disciples yet, but they certainly have probably been influenced by the Pharisees. Because, you know, every good Jew is going to the synagogue or going to the temple and they're serving. But think about the, the kind of religion they had. The Pharisees had a very rules-centered religion. It was very, very works-based. It was very, um, it very, almost like a ladder-based religious system. That you've got you've to work your way up to please God on every rung of the way. They were, they, were, they were being taught. So the Pharisees were here and the disciples as a handful. But most of the people, including the Pharisees, had been taught you earn God's favor with your works. You've got to be good. You've got to be good enough. Can you imagine how much anxiety comes from a religious system based on your works? Can you imagine how hard that would be to always wonder, have I done enough? Is God happy with me? Does, does God still love me? Have I, have I disqualified myself? And that appeal from Jesus, it may have primarily been in regards to salvation, but either way, he, he comes to them and he says, basically, he says, you're not at rest, but I can give you rest. Because these people, they were beaten down. They were beaten down with, with the rules and beaten down with the, the law and they were beaten down with religion and it, it had beaten them down and caused them just, they weren't rested. They, they didn't have peace with God. They were being pummeled and hit like, like waves crashing against the ship just over and over and over. That's what the word weary means. It means beaten down. They were also burdened down. They were weary and heavy laden. And burden down is like an overloaded ship that's just taking on water. And I think we all know what that feels like when the expectations of life and all the things you've got to do, the pressures of life are just too much. And if you take on one more wave, you're going down. Jesus was talking to the ones that were beaten down and the ones that were burdened down. But, but what I love is, I love the invitation though. Because Jesus doesn't say, clean up and come see me. I mean, when I was a kid, and you were a kid, you played outside, and, and by the way, back when we were kids, 
you know, you left in the morning, you didn't come home till that night. And mom and dad didn't even worry about us. Either they didn't love us or the world was different back then. I'm choosing to believe the world was different, okay? They'd say, you know, the door's locked, don't come in. And now the door's locked and then parents saying, don't go out. But, you know, we used to go and we'd play and I'd be gone all day and I would check in. If I didn't check in when I was supposed to, I'd be in trouble. But for the most part, I'd take off on my bike and go to my friend's house and we would just play. That's what we did. And usually what we did involved getting dirty because there were no video game systems. And, I mean, I had a friend that had an Atari, but we weren't allowed to touch it. So that didn't really help us very much. So we would play in the dirt. We played outside. When I came home in time for supper, my mom would say something like this. All right, it's time to eat. What's the first thing she'd tell me to do? You tell me. Go, go wash your hands. Go clean up. I mean, half the time it's like Jace, you know, whatever he's doing, I don't even know how he does it. It's like pig pen. You know, I get the old Peanuts character and it's like he doesn't have to even be near dirt. He's dirty. And, I, you know, that's what I was like. When I'd come home, my mom would say, wash up. Clean up before you come to the dinner table. And it was like the worst thing I could have done if I was sat down at the dinner table with dirty hands. And I get it. It's, it, it makes sense. But that's not, the, that's not the invitation Jesus gives. He doesn't say, clean up and come see me. He says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that are beaten down by the rules. And beaten down by the law. And beaten down by the expectations. And beaten down by the anxiety and the fear. All of those, those are the ones I'm asking to come. Come unto me, all those, not just beaten down, but burdened down. The heavy laden ones, the ones that you don't think it's fixable. You don't see a way out of this and you just don't even know how it's going to work out. There's no end in sight for you. Those are the ones I'm inviting. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, I will clean you up. I will give you rest. The promise is made to those of us who are beaten down and burdened down. He says, I will give you rest. Come right now. Come in your condition, he says. Come to me. I can provide re the rest that you are longing for. And I want to go to Psalm 40 and, and close over here tonight. It's by way of introduction this evening. I, this is quite the passage. Psalm 40. And here's where the idea of the noise in our soul is. Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2, it says, David says, I, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. You know what David says here 
He says, I, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. And if you look up the word horrible in, in the Hebrew, it literally means roar. Like, like the crash of waves. It, it like the roaring of a river. If you've ever whitewater rafted, and I have before, and I mean, it, at the height of the spring season, the, the snow melt off is running through that canyon and, and uh, the Snake River there in Wyoming, and, and you've got these rocks that jut out into the middle, and all that water comes to those, those rocks at the same time, and they call it the Big Kahuna. It's a wave that's like 20-foot drop. Boom, and then right back up, and it's, it's great. You should try it sometime. But the roar of the river is like nothing you've heard. If you've ever been in a storm, you, you know the roar of water and waves crashing. That's the idea that David gives right here. When he said, and you could look it up, the horrible pit, literally what it means is a pit of noise. So King David, strong, secure King David, the anointed king, but he felt so much hardship being chased by Saul through the countryside for seven years that he had a noisy soul. He was filled with anxiety and filled with fear and filled with despair and he was filled with all of these things that, that were noisy. It's a horrible pit, he says. It's a pit of noise, roaring waves, crashing in his soul, noisy, loud, it felt unfixable. But he goes on to say, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. And established my goings and he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise under our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust the Lord. See what he says is, yes, it was noisy. It was a noisy pit and I didn't see any way out of it, but God brought me up. And so what he's saying is, it's possible to come out of the noise. It's possible to, to come out of the pit of despair that you're in. The noise doesn't have to win, although it's so loud, it makes you think it's going to. He says, God brought me up and set my feet on a rock. He made my feet firm. He changed my stability and he changed my direction. He said, establish my goings. And to me, that I think about James chapter 1. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And listen, when your thoughts are, are not where they're supposed to be, and that anxiety and the, 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 the noise is in your life, you'll be nothing but unstable. I mean, you'll be in that pit, miry clay. You don't have anything firm to stand on, but a double because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But what this verse, what this means is that that God changed David's thinking, and He took him from this man is what what's going on? What am I going to do? I mean, I'm in a pit of despair and a pit of noise. And He said, He put my feet on a rock. He changed my stability, and He changed my He changed my direction. David says, uh, he, God brought me up and put me right here and then he gave me a new song. And what he's saying is that he, God changed me from the inside out. He put a new song in my mouth. And what he's saying is that God replaced the noise with a song. See, that noise that was just overwhelming, that noise that, that I couldn't get away from, that's gone now and there's new noise. 
And this new noise is a song of praise. And because God has done these things for me, he says, then he says, many shall see it and fear and shall trust the Lord. And that God has given him, now he has a different testimony. That he, he changed my influence with other people. And here's, what I, here's the message tonight is that there is hope. You have hope. His name is Jesus. And he still answers, he still has the answers for your noisiest problems. That noise that's in your soul that's deafening, listen, it's nothing for him. Jesus can lift you up out of the pit of noise. He can stabilize you. He can change your direction. He can make your life a testimony again. How is he going to do it? Well, if you'll go to him for rest and peace, his way, he can replace your noise with a song of praise. And that noise that's just eating you up on the inside, the pit of noise, I mean, he'll replace it with a new song. That's the promise. It, it, there's hope. And I imagine some in here, though, have noisy souls. And it's deafening. Jesus Christ can lift you up out of the noise. And he can stabilize you. And he can change your direction. And he can make your life a living testimony again. He can replace your noise with a song of praise. But you're going to have to rid yourself of all the methods you've been using to drown out the noise. Because they don't work. You know, Jesus Christ has a different kind of peace and he gives it to us a different kind of way. It's pretty interesting. Um, in John 14, 7, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. And so this isn't peace. This is peace. You know, and this isn't peace that comes by with drugs or alcohol. You can't drown this one out with Netflix. You know, you can't drown the noise out with louder music. You can't. It needs something supernatural. The peace that only Jesus Christ can give. The peace that only comes Christ's way. And so we have to come to the end of ourselves and say... Uh, I've tried my methods and none of them work and I, I need something different and, and you know it, this doesn't come through the old methods and that's what we're going to be talking about here on Wednesday nights is that Christ's methods work and it's different than any other method and it's different than any other piece but tonight we must start by evaluating our noise and we'll be doing that as we go but ask God for an examination let him point out to you the cause of the disturbance in your soul. I mean, where's it coming from? I mean, where's that anger? Where's that, where's that fear coming from? Where's that anxiety? Where's the root of that? Uh, where's the disappointment? Where's the discouragement? This is all noise, by the way. Where's the anger and the hatred? Where's the bitterness coming from? Because that noise in your soul, I'm telling you, it's a pit of noise and it's deafening. And you will not get rid of it with your methods. Jesus has a different kind of peace that he promises us. But listen, you must start with evaluating. Ask God for an examination. Where's my noise? But second, this, the second thing that I want you to do is this. Have hope. Have hope. 
You see, if God can do all of that for David, he can do it for you. And if he told, I mean, listen, I mean, he was looking at a bunch of people that were burdened down and beaten down. And he says, come unto me, all you that are labor, you're, burdened, you're beaten down and are heavy laden, you're burdened down, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest in your souls. And if he can promise that to people that were that beaten down and that burdened down with the weight of the law, then there's not a person in this room that he can't fix the noise within. And you may think, well, it's unfixable for me. Well, what makes you different than anybody else? Listen, I'm not downplaying what you're facing. I'm not downplaying where you've come from at all. I'm just saying that for us to say that our problems are too big for God is a pretty bold statement. There's nobody with noise that he hasn't been able to solve. If they would come. And if they would say, God, I'm tired of being beaten down. I'm tired of being burdened down. I want to do things your way. I want your peace. He promises it. And if he promises it, he will deliver. So tonight, evaluate the noise in your own soul. But second, have hope. It's possible. It's possible for Jesus Christ to fix the noise in your soul too. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.